1: You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. We're back, baby. Summertime edition of Titch. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel, a.k.a. Taylor the Impaler. He's back as well. Rothstein told us to sleep during May. That's exactly what I did. I I had a nice hibernation, but we're back now. Grind doesn't stop. Uh, We're brought to you by the Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe to the podcast on whichever device you use. I actually heard... Manny Harris, former Michigan player, subscribes to you should as well. A lot happening in Ann Arbor these past couple weeks. Check out the website at barnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at sub 232 to find out where the feat is, even though it is May, so it's probably going to be pretty non-existent. And Taylor at Taylor Danell. Maybe we'll have to create some feet. Who knows? We're sponsored by Blue Note still, artfully crafted small batch bourbon distilled in Memphis in honoring the Memphis Blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. This is fucking noteworthy right now. They, they, I mean, since the end of the season, Penny has just been on an absolute rampage, and we'll get to that in a second. But let's start with a bit of a life update here, Taylor.
0: Uh, Please do. Please uh,
1: I'm do. Theatergoers, right now, that I have moved to Chicago. So the last time that an episode aired, I was in Phoenix, and I left the desert after, if you include college, I left the desert after what, 11 years now? Yeah, 11 years. Packed up my things, drove an 04 Honda Pilot, which has been my high school car, and I love that thing. Just sold it today, actually, so I might shed a thug tear, too.
0: Wow. I, I, I'm going to have a tear about that as well.
1: Yeah, man. Well, you know, anyone who knows my car knows that it announced its presence wherever it went by opening the passenger side door, and a shotgun noise was made, Chip paint, some bumps and bruises, but it made two cross country trips. So I hope whomever the, the next owner is loves it and, and treats her well, the red Baron. So that happened, but I've officially traded in swim trunks and a tan for big North, North faces and cold, miserable chapped lips. That's what i traded <laughs> in.
0: Oh man, I got, I'm not you know I'm not sure I can share my true thoughts about uh, you guys moving away from from us out here in the desert. But uh, I will say, similar to what I put on your going away card, which is we're sad and happy for you at the same time.
1: Yeah, mix of emotions. Yes, I'm trying exactly. to get Yeah, def, definitely a mix of emotions. It's kind of like Jim Valvano running around. <laughs> I mean, he's obviously really happy, but at the same time, he's like, why won't anyone hug me? <laughs> 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 Quite wow. wow. What an analogy. Well, I'm hot, man. I'm well rested. Like I said, <laughs> I've been hibernating this ever since Virginia won that incredible national title game because Rothstein said that we could sleep. And I actually want to, I want to touch base on Rothstein real quick because we all know he's absurd. If you follow him on Twitter, you know that he's just a complete lunatic, but this might be the most serial killer thing that he does. And it's not the inspirational quote, that he has pretty much every morning, like his <clears throat> gift art, lovely. It's not his cliches about particular basketball teams. But this, and I think this is new to his repertoire. In the in the time frame where players were de- determining whether or not they should declare for the draft, stay in the draft, or come back to college, Rothstein literally every single morning tweeted the exact same thing instead of pinning the tweet.
0: It's absurd. Do you think he knows about the pin option? Well, it's, you know, it's people like you who enable him because you retweet him every single day.
1: Yeah. no, Though, I am an enabler.
0: I am rolling through his Twitter right now. And so, obviously, he's not going to be able to continue to tweet that because, as we'll get into later, that the, the draft and all that period of when you can uh, – decide whether you're or declare or not is over. But I did see today, let me see eight hours ago. He said only 158 days until the 1920 college basketball season officially begins count hashtag countdown. That's going to be every day. That's got to be his everyday tweet now. Right. And are you, did you retweet that or am I going to see that every day?
1: No, I, I can't keep up with that. I won't be able to retweet 150 days straight of Rothstein, but I think the only thing that, he likes maybe as much as the sport itself is countdowns. The guy loves countdowns. He, he will remind you what month it is all the time. He'll say there's only X amount of days until like the preseason. There's only X amount of days until the, you know, midnight madness for Loyola, Chicago or something. He knows, he knows all that shit. The guy loves countdowns just as much as he loves the game.
0: Could you imagine being John Rothstein's, like assistant or scribe or however you want to say it. it's literally no actual information. It's just like number of days. It's just a bunch of tally marks across like an Excel sheet of how many days until this. And that's all the information you need to go, need to know.
1: Rosslyn also loves non-conference scheduling. Loved it. Like he will report on Colby college versus like Dayton. And, hey. and like, just an FYI guys, this is, This is now in the non-con schedule, so you may want to mark your calendars for Colby versus Dayton.
0: Iowa State and Oregon State will begin a home-and-home series next season in in Corvallis and return game in uh, Ames uh, 20 hours ago. He tweeted that, though I will say he did tweet Arizona's non-conference schedule in the very next tweet after that. Well, that's because they're (laughs) a regular basketball the
1: Oregon State and Iowa State they don't care about basketball.
0: <laughs> no, exactly. I was, you know, oh, I, oh <laughs> I didn't even know six hours ago Nebraska is hosting South Dakota State as part of its upcoming uh, non conference schedule this year as well. So, oh, you
1: know what? Man, and I do, I do want to take that back. Iowa State fans care about college basketball, they're a great fan base. But I mean, that's actually decent too. South Dakota State and Nebraska both have different coaches now.
0: So, hey, who knows? shout, oh, shout yeah. out Jack Rabbits. Shout out to Jack Rabbits. Yes.
1: Yeah. Rossi might be on to something. But while he's tweeting about countdowns and just inconsequential non-conference games, I want to talk about Memphis. This is a Memphis podcaster based in Memphis and wow, Penny Hardaway. Like I said, we hibernated for a bit, but Penny Hardaway was fucking hustling. Him and Mike Miller went out and got the best recruiting class in the entire country. They're number one. And it's, it's not really, someone has a close second, it's pretty much Memphis and then the rest of the country. Not to say that Arizona, Duke, Kansas, Michigan State, those guys don't have good, uh, Kentucky, duh. they don't have good recruiting classes, but that starting five for Memphis is going to be stacked with freshman talent. What are your initial thoughts there on Penny and what he's done just in year one?
0: Well, it's like, I mean, it, it, in a way, it's like John Calipari when he came to Memphis uh, a while back. You know, if you went if you go through the Memphis recruiting class rankings over the last three years, in 16 they were ranked 98th in the country. In 17, they were ranked 15 50th. In 18, they were ranked 30th, and then all the way up to number one this year. This year they added added the number one recruit in the country, James Wiseman, who is seven foot two ten. He is it, it, in, in terms of like how high you can go on five star ratings, there's no such thing as a as a as a 100 or a 1000 or however you want to say it. But two four seven sports ranks him as a .9999 rating. You can't yeah. get higher than that. Um, they have a member. They have multiple members of the all name team. Precious precious, precious Achiwa, and Boogie Ellis, both phenomenal names, and then you got my name, my name Lester. Say it for me. I, I think it's Benonis, right? I, I think it should be quinoa, and I mean I'm going with quinoa personally. So I mean it, it really kind of harkens back to the days of the the mid 2000s, late 2000s, when you had the Derrick Roses. Like James Wiseman, technically speaking, is actually a higher rated recruit than Derrick Rose was. So we're back in those days, and I don't know. It's definitely not the same style as Calipari was doing it, or at least I don't think so. You know, you've got, like you said, Penny Hardaway and Mike Miller flying around on private jets. And, and like, obviously we didn't have Instagram in, like, 2005 and stuff like that. But, like, you you literally see pictures of Penny Hardaway and Mike Miller just, like, kicked back on a private jet, like, flying out to pick up a recruit. You know, and that's – for a school like Memphis, you expect that from the Kentuckys and the – well, maybe not the Dukes, but the – the Kansas is the big name schools in the country. And not to say that Memphis isn't a good basketball school. I think I think a good basketball school is probably the way to, to put it. You know, their recruiting rankings the last two years, like I said, were 30 and 50. And I don't think they're as bad as 50. I think 30 is probably a decent place to put Memphis depending on the decade in terms of like where they rank in the schools of importance in college basketball. But when you get someone like Penny Hardaway in there clearly their name, their name rings much larger than it previously did without Penny Hardaway. That's obvious.
1: Yeah. Well, it's really cool now for people our age, I'm talking late twenties, maybe early thirties to see all of these big names (laughs) go back to not only, not just their alma mater, but established NBA players that we've seen play multiple years in the league. Mike Miller, Jerry Stackhouse, Juwan Howard, Penny Hardaway go and teach and coach in the college ranks and recruit in the college ranks. I mean, I think a lot of people sometimes get lost in how young these recruits are. I think they're saying to themselves, well, nobody remembers who Jawan Howard is. No, these, these guys, they, they watch basketball. They, they know who a Jawan Howard, Jerry Stackhouse type of player is. They may not know Fred Hoiberg. Hoiberg might be a little bit uh, past that. Past
0: well, if you think these guys, you know, James Wiseman, James Wiseman is, and these guys are what? So they're 18 this year. So the big three LeBron era was five years ago. So that was right when all these kids were kind of deciding who they like, really starting to watch basketball, really starting to play like NBA 2K, stuff like that. And as trivial as that sounds like, there's no doubt that when James Wiseman was playing Precious Achiwa at some AAU camp when they were 13 years old, someone hit a corner three playing for the Heat or Mike with Mike Miller. And now they can go play for and coach from a guy that they, you know, have actually seen on TV and also and, and played with on a video game. And, and even though that sounds kind of dumb, like even the Caliparis and the Sean Millers and stuff of the world, they, they only know those guys from coaching. Yeah. They know these guys from actually watching them play. So you don't just hear about how, but just because Sean Miller's our guy, like Sean Miller was the Big East all-time leader in assists, right? But you only know that. We don't, we never saw that. You know, now yeah. these guys are like, oh, yeah, Mike Miller. Yeah, he hit the he had the big three in the finals without a shoe. These guys yeah, know he, that. They watch that.
1: People only know Sean Miller for his dribbling on like Johnny Carson or whatever the fuck it was. I and mean, we right. even have to tell people like the Send it in your own video. That was Sean Miller passing. It, it, right. you know and, you
0: know, and that goes for all those coaches. Right.
1: But you're right, because these guys are looking at a LeBron James <laughs> team and they're seeing, oh, yeah, Mike Miller was a pretty integral part on that team. Shaquille O'Neal, Penny Hardaway played with him, right? right. So these are, I mean, Penny's done an incredible job of leveraging his situation, leveraging how re- truly famous he is and how in touch he is with the Memphis community. And he sold him on a great product. And I'm happy that Memphis is back in, in the news and back to being, you know, nationally ranked in, at least in terms of recruiting. And who knows, we'll, we'll see how they do this upcoming year. Obviously they're, they should be tournament bound. They almost were this past year now with a completely revamped roster and a year of uh, true head coaching under penny's belt i fully expect them to be a top i hmm, i'll say top 5 seed you know within within i, I don't think they can, they'll be lower than than a 5 seed especially playing in the conference or i was about to say conference usa but uh
0: what is that conference They're the 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 aac, AAC thank you yeah. which is on the which, which, which Wichita state is in, I brought that up the last podcast I did months ago, but it still baffles me, which teams are in like, which conferences, especially in a conference like the AAC and yeah. like, Oh yeah, that's right. They're there. They're in there now.
1: So you know, maybe I am still a little rusty to be honest with you, but uh, you know, I, I think this is obviously fantastic news for Memphis and, and for Penny. The question now is how does this translate on the court? Now I asked the barn chief, I asked him, he was out in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago. We had a, a few too many drinks. I was over But I asked him, you know, what are your expectations for next year? And anyone that knows college basketball knows that it's a crapshoot come tournament time. Right? You, you could lose in the first weekend after rattling off 26, 27 wins during the regular season. So I don't think it's fair to expect a Final Four out of this team. I do think it's fair to expect a second weekend, though out of them. And it might be worth asking those guys, bringing them in getting their thoughts, but I'm thinking Penny gets to the sweet 16 and who knows from there. I don't, I don't think they'll get to a final four, but I do think they'll play on uh, that, that second weekend.
0: Well, so uh, top 25 CBS sports, top 25, you know, way too early prediction. Like they always do. They have Memphis as number six in their their preseason ranking. So, you know, it's tough because like you just said, and, we could have said this every single year forever. So, this isn't exactly reinventing the wheel here. But, you know, the Zion Williamsons, even of the world, literally could have lost in the round of 32, in the round of 16. And then I ended up de- and actually losing in the Elite Eight this year. And That's I'm true. not, to, maybe James Wiseman's better than Zion, Maybe he's not. Or maybe this entire re- recruiting class is, or maybe it's not. But it, when you get a full group of just five dudes who don't have any experience in the tournament, Despite all the talent, I mean, look at the team that won this year Virginia. Yeah, they had a ton of talent, but literally every one of those guys had been in the final four already. You know, yeah. obviously, they lost the previous year to, to uh, the 16th seed there, or UMBC. But, you know, when, when you get five freshmen going down the stretch, no, no matter how talented they are, and especially because they play, do play in the AAC where they have really good teams. But there are some shit teams at the bottom of that conference that, are, that they're going to blow out by, like, 60. And yeah. that's not going to prep you for tournament play. It's going to be one of those classic situations where probably the four toughest games they play all year are going to be the four or the round of 30. Well, maybe not the round of 64, but, like, the conference final yeah the round the round of 32 the sweet 16 the elite eight there i have i don't have their schedule pulled up right in front of me so i'm not sure what their out of conference schedule is i didn't roll back through john rothstein right okay and that's a good one and that'll be a good test but other than that yeah but other than that it's like well how many tests are these guys gonna have um and how important is that really and i guess i don't know if each year is a case-by-case basis on how that important it is or not but it's not shocking that all of the teams that have won the national championships in the last handful of years have all been really senior and junior laden teams. You know, when North Carolina won it two years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, that was still in the era where North Carolina had never had a one and done player before, even in 2017, which was shocking. And now they have, but you know, So, those are the teams that are still winning national championships. So, I, I think your second weekend prediction is probably right on, though it wouldn't surprise me if they went farther. It would surprise me if they lost before that than if they went yeah. farther than that. Let's, yeah, let's put it that way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that's a good way of putting it. And you, you mentioned a team like Duke who could have easily lost in the round of 32. Little side note Johnny Dawkins just got an extension, and I'm almost 100% sure it was based strictly off of that game, which they could have won. Uh, again, again So, hug for Johnny Dawkins. Well deserved. Top
0: ta- Topgolf ta- <laughs> fall is senior.
1: He's, he's gone. Gone. He's yeah. Been, okay. He's been in. Uh, he's been at the combine. He's been. He's been training. Right. Has, right. Is gone. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do. You look at. You're right. All the champions, they're senior leading teams, and they're teams that have experienced heartbreak, really, and, and the the absolute piss. Everyone knows about Virginia. You even take a look at. North Carolina, North Carolina lost to Villanova, right? Mm-hmm. Ended up rebounding and winning even Villanova prior to that Carolina title. Jay Wright had a lot of underwhelming tournament runs. They finally figured it out and ended up winning two out of three, which is still insane. And again, quick side note, I know we need to be talking about Memphis, but this is just, this is so brutal for big East fans that hate Villanova there. You know, there's another archdiacono coming through. There's another Archie Diacono coming through to Villanova.
0: Wow. What's his name? What's his, what's, what's, I don't know. It's a a
1: combination somehow of, it's a combination probably of Dante, Ryan and Connor because Connor Gillespie and Connor Gillespie is right now the new Ryan Archie Diacono. So Archie Diacono's brother is probably going to be the new Gillespie who was, you know what I mean? It's just a complete goddamn mess.
0: Chris, Chris is his name. Is it Chris? Okay. Yeah
1: villainous name again
0: but anyway, there's, I mean- there's no better example of when you're trying to explain to your girlfriend who you're watching on tv and it's someone like ryan archie diacono and it's how many which who, what's his first name Why well, i don't watch this enough why are you making me watch this is that his first name or is that his last name who's ryan those are the players that i hate because the I, the amount of time that you have to spend to explain that is it, you miss like four possessions it's just the worst
1: good
0: point so, <laughs> but i but i digress move on
1: yeah no, I mean, let's get the personal gripes out now i, I, I safe space this is open it's off need, season right it's the off season man if we're not you know once the season gets gets rolling again we're gonna have to be sharp it's okay to be blunt right now that's how <laughs> i blunt, pencil but this uh, man hell of a hell of a job there from penny and and Mike Miller, I think Mike Miller is going to use this maybe in a year or two to get himself a head coaching job. Uh, uh,
0: the rumor on the street that is that he's moving on to what I think our next topic is, and that is Jawan Howard is attempting to swoop Mike Miller. Is he really at Michigan? That was the word on the Twitter streets there last time I checked.
1: Interesting. Hey, they have a relationship. But I think, I feel like Mike Miller is just like the most beloved guy uh, amongst all NBA players past and present and you know Mike Miller has his brother card mm-hmm. like every black guy loves Mike Miller Penny loves him a guy from like, from, like Memphis right loves him Joan Howard loves him uh,
0: oh you know it's so I mean, funny sorry I'm interrupting you I'm interrupting it it's he's hiring the Mike Miller that coach was in the G League not the Mike Miller from Memphis that's totally my bad that's totally I me. Mean, again, the again guy. Again, again, I guess I guess that's uh that's an off-season issue that I'm Not having though.
1: as well. maybe that's why we that's why we're, that's why we're in layup lines right now. <laughs> field, up and down the court. It's okay, shape, uh, But that's, it still doesn't take away from my point that everyone loves Mike Miller. Yes. It, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if Juan Howard did go after Mike Miller. Uh but I think Mike Miller will be in line to pursue a head coaching job. But this dovetails quite nicely into our next topic: head coaching. We've talked about former players coming back to their alma mater in one year. Penny's essentially turned around the program, or at the very least, brought excitement back to Memphis. And Jawan Howard continue that excitement at Michigan. Now, Jawan doesn't have to do what Penny did, which was pretty much resurrect a program turned on a head 180 because Michigan has had a great run of success under John by on under John D Line, excuse me. Penny or excuse me, Juwan, Jesus Christ. Juwan, <laughs> now he, he's been given the keys to, I wouldn't say a Ferrari, maybe something a little lower than that, but still something that is a great car. Because Michigan's had two Final Fours in recent memory and a lot of great tournament runs and a lot of really strong teams. Jawan Howard, thoughts on that hire for Michigan? Uh,
0: I am cautiously optimistic for them. I don't. I don't hate Michigan. I don't necessarily like Michigan. They're kind of here or there. Um, you know, just in the in the Big Ten, I dislike Ohio State more. I dislike Wisconsin a hell of a lot more. Um, the Michigan schools, I, I've always been a big just like you. I like Izzo. I'm fine with Michigan State. Um, so why I'm cautiously optimistic is, uh, I guess, Penny Hardaway is kind of, like we just said, is kind of like the uh, peak of the mountain of former players right now. But we also haven't seen a ton of former players have a ton of success. So I would say it's probably a good hire if you're, if you're totally committed to the um, Recruits need to know the coach as a player if that's who we're going to hire rather than hiring someone from some mid-level D1 school to come up. If you think that it's all about that style of recruiting and you commit to that, then I, then, I, then I think it's a good hire. I think he's a perfect example, though, of someone that you have to give him like four years. If their first two years suck, you, you have to give him that time because he's essentially – making up the college coaching uh, uh, experience on the fly. There's a lot of on-the-job training for for Jawan Howard. He's been an assistant coach in the NBA, but he's never had to fly around the country, recruit everybody, and then coach all these kids. So I, I think the,
1: the – But you, uh, give him, you give him those years because – in addition to what you had just mentioned, which is true, but you also give him those years because he's earned it as a student athlete there 20 years ago, 25 years ago.
0: Right. Well, Michigan has kind of a weird relationship with the Fab Five. You know, then they all have come out and said that over the years. uh, The 30 for 30 Fab Five was great uh, when they talked about how a lot of them don't have a great relationship, especially like Chris Weber. Um, And so clearly someone in the athletic department wants to have a better relationship with the Fab Five because you wouldn't hire Jawan Howard if you didn't want those guys around the program. I thought it was super cool that Jawan Howard, like, broke down and was mm-hmm. emotional. and Because, yeah, because, I mean, I think you and I would feel the same if, like, we got hired as the athletic director at Arizona or something like that. Like, that'd be like, oh, wow, we this is, you know, I mean, we we came back, we came home, you know, and so yeah. not, yeah, I thought I think that was cool.
1: thing with that example, though, I wouldn't give a shit about Pretty much anything even football I wouldn't even care about it. I would only care about basketball which yeah is
0: okay sure sure yeah, fine. But, point making? right so no I think um kind of same thing with Penny Hardaway in the ter- in the sense of that um I, I think they're going to be able to he's going to be able to recruit well I don't really know a lot about his head coaching acumen and I don't really know a lot about Penny Hardaway's head coaching ac- acumen to be quite honest with you I know that they're both great recruiters and I tried to watch as many Memphis games as possible as I could this year But it's a little hard to find sometimes, and so I haven't exactly studied up on the tape of, like, their head coaching prowess. But I I think it's a good hire. Would you say that I'm off base by saying it's a good hire, or is it more of a wait and see, or maybe a little bit of both?
1: I think it's a good hire. I think this is a good hire for Michigan. They obviously went after Ed Cooley, and he he returned to Providence. I think that would have been a better hire. I mean, at, at some point, Juwan's got to understand that he wasn't first in line, which is okay. But Juwan Howard is a good hire because, obviously, you bring back the, you know, the, the reminiscing of the Fab Five, a team that changed the entire culture. And then Juwan is going to, he's going to reach, reach some student athletes and some recruits that maybe John Beeline, to be perfectly honest, cannot reach. And so maybe Juwan's going to be able to go and get those guys from Detroit and Saginaw that might be leaning towards Michigan State. Uh, and bring them to Michigan instead, right? Like a Cassius Winston. I think he's a Michigan native, right? You got a guy like Draymond Greens who, who ended up in Michigan State. I think Jawan Howard can go into those neighborhoods and recruit those guys. From a strictly X's and O's perspective, I think Jawan Howard can hold his own as well. Uh, he's been around the NBA. Jawan Howard, what I, what I like about this Howard, hire is that he wasn't just <coughs> given the job because of nepotism, right? Because of... Uh, his success at Michigan, he's put in work in the NBA. He's been an assistant coach, which is, I mean, a, a complete side story. When the hell did he become an assistant coach? Like, does anyone have on record when Jawan Howard retired? I feel like he just, he, he would come out in sweats and you're like, oh, he's on the team. And then he would go back in put a suit on. And it's like, oh, he's a bench coach.
0: Like when did Jawan Howard retired? Take a guess. Just off off the cuff. Take a guess when he retired.
1: Uh, 2015,
0: 2013, like still in the big, still in like the big three era of the Miami Heat. That's
1: like way so he's been retired now for six years.
0: Yeah, so he's been so he's been on the Miami Heat sidelines in some capacity since 2010, and he was he played quote unquote played uh, 2010 through 2013, and then he became an assistant 13 through yeah two days ago. So Don
1: like a chameleon, man. He just he just blended so seamlessly into a coach's role. It, it's almost like you know what you know what it was and this is going to be my hypothesis. Towards the end of his career, Joan Howard was like always hurt, just forever hurt. So he's just suited up on the bench like a injured player would look and then he just stayed there and instead was holding a clipboard or doing something. I don't know.
0: Well, think about this. He was drafted in 1994. And he was second team All-NBA in, two, in 1996. Or third team, excuse me, in 1996. What did he do from 96? I mean, we knew Juwan Howard, but what you're saying is perfectly true because it's like he played for. Listen to this. The Wizards, the Mavericks, the Nuggets, the Magic, the Rockets, the Mavericks, the Nuggets, the Bobcats, the Blazers, and the Heat.
1: You remember know, you know, a little bit of Jared Dudley.
0: I can't remember him in at least half of those uniforms. Yeah, no. (laughs) Like, I cannot remember him for the Mavericks and Nuggets or the Magic. Can can, I can remember him on like the Yao Ming Houston Rockets. Mm -hmm. But then I can't remember him again for the Mavericks or the Nuggets again. And definitely not for the Blazers. And then all of
1: a sudden Was he on that Mavericks title team? Um, Uh Random motherfuckers on that. No, the, no
0: he, he was on the... He was he, on, he, he on the was on the 0708 Mavericks team, as well as the 0102 Mavericks team.
1: But yeah, I mean, it, I, I have zero idea when Joan Howard actually made the transition into coaching, <laughs> but he's, he's paid his dues. And so I think that is going to be able to translate to a head coaching job. I think a lot of the times people get so spooked with the idea of a former player just going straight into a role. And you got to look at a guy like Derek Fisher. I don't know how the fuck he got an NBA head coaching job the second he took his playing shoes off, but he did. And it didn't end up going well at all. Look at a guy like Jason Kidd. So somehow he's back on it, but that's just the Lakers because they're a bunch of idiots.
0: Well, uh, I think there's, I think there's a difference. I think it's, and that was one thing I was going to ask you is, so we have a I often think that former players are not very good analysts for one. Paul Pierce. number two <laughs> number two, I don't necessarily think they're good coaches either because I think that they have a hard time separating themselves. They, they can relate to the players, but they have a hard time separating themselves between player and coach, especially when they go straight into. The, the Derek Fisher thing was perfect because Derek Fisher was still having an affair. Who whose wife was he having an affair? What, like whatever? Like this is you Not have cool. to remove. Yeah, you have to remove yourself at some mm-hmm. point from. And I think they have a hard time with doing that. Yeah. Now in college it's easy because there's obviously an age gap there. But do you think? And this is totally opinion based. I don't have any facts to back this up. Do you think that these former players are actually better coaches for their alma maters than they are for other schools? Say Danny Manning is an example or, you know, and I know that's just one, but is there something about coaching for your alma mater that just automatically makes you a better coach just because you have a feel for everything that's going on around you that you just wouldn't have if you didn't play there?
1: Yeah, maybe. You know, I think the situation's fluid and unique, right? I think you got to look at each situation individually. Juwan Howard's in a great situation because he knows Michigan basketball. He is the reason why it's a national known entity. I I, I could argue like him, Jalen, Chris Webber, you know, Jimmy King, and I forget the other guy, uh, Ray Jackson, I think his mm-hmm. name was. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the three main NBA players, Jalen, Chris, and Juwan, plus – B line, right? I would say B line over Steve Fisher. But those yeah. three B line are the reasons why Michigan is so great, right? Is is the reason why Michigan is a national known entity. And right. so I think he has an advantage there, but I think there's a crazy amount of pressure under Juwan Howard. Let me let me explain to you why. You look at a guy like Jerry Stackhouse, if he went back to Carolina, crazy amount of pressure because you're following Roy Williams, right? Right. But he's a Vanderbilt, which I mean. They have, they have some standards, I suppose, because they got rid of Bryce Drew, but he's not going to be under the same amount of pressure as Juwan. Guy like Penny Hardaway, Penny and 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 Memphis, like he is Memphis. He is Memphis's adopted son. Michigan, Detroit, they have other adopted sons that they can latch onto. Right. So whatever Penny does is fine. Right. For the most part. And he's already succeeded. So Penny's, you know, he, he, he's good.
0: Well, and if Penny would have failed. Yeah. Memphis would have loved him regardless. They'd have been like, ah, cool. oh, you know what? We gave him a shot, but that's still our boy. Yeah. Juwan,
1: right. Yeah. Jawan, though, he is inheriting. I'm telling you, he's inheriting a team that's already good. That is arguably the best team in Michigan. Maybe maybe they didn't show it last year, but Michigan State doesn't. I mean, they, they, they had they made the final four last year, but Michigan's already got two and they have actually made a title game right? So they've made two title games, excuse me. So I think taking on an already successful team, which Jerry Stackhouse is not doing, which Fred Hoyberg's not doing, which Penny's not doing or wasn't doing, right? taking on an already successful team and keeping that ship afloat, keeping them atop the big 10 and a final four elite eight uh, level type of team. I think that's where the pressure is going to come in. I-, I have no doubt that he can do that, but if Michigan doesn't get back to let's say the Elite Eight or the second weekend, and I agree that they need to give him time, they need to give him four years. But if they don't get back there next year, right? As a Michigan fan, you're like, well, shit, you know, we didn't fire John Beeline, he left, but we regressed. And I love Juwan Howard, but they're they're now used to Michigan used to before Beeline, they used to just be okay with a tournament berth. That was it. They're now used to a certain level of success. They're now used to challenging and beating Sparty, which wasn't necessarily the case. Juwan Howard has to f- fill those shoes and continue doing that.
0: No, you're, you're 100% right. And, and I think you're dead on with the, and I didn't even necessarily consider this, that they didn't get rid of their old coach to then hire a former player. They were not backed into a corner, but seemingly because I, same with you, I had absolutely zero idea that beeline was going to leave i don't think anybody did you know when when you think of because he turned down the the pistons last year right if i remember correctly and you think think to yourself well okay michigan guy if he's going to go somewhere yeah detroit so he passed that up and you know maybe if they got you know if the lakers hired him or whatever but you know they don't hire the people those people like that the celtics and the in the Lakers, you know, with Brad Stevens being kind of an exception to that rule, but but we're like, yeah, okay, well he's there. He's set for life. If, If you would have asked me, you know, rate one through five, five being, yeah, he's gone to one. He's staying. Where's beeline. I'm like, Oh, I'd be, I'd be one. Yeah. He's not going anywhere. He's there for, you know, he's there forever. So I was, and to leave to the calves of all people, it's just, it's just shocking. But yeah, so I think it is a unique situation because it's more like it's more like an opportunity for Jawan Howard because Beeline left on his own accord than it is a uh, oh we really need to find someone because we fired our whole old coach and we have to make a splash. We better hire a former player. It's more like yeah. a it's more like a hey, we got a good team and this guy didn't leave for a bad reason. We didn't fire him. We didn't suck. So you know what? Maybe a former player is where we need to go with this one. So, um, and maybe that's why it is a good hire. Is because it uh, they didn't rush it by any means. Uh, no. I don't think you know, and, and they didn't. Yeah, and 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 I I I would have to go back and look, but seemingly every program in the country. And we can't bring up Duke because they haven't had a new head coach in 40 years, but they don't, it seems like nobody gets their guy first, not even like the Arizona's and the Kansases and the, even Kentucky's of the world, even get their first coach every time. I mean, people like Lute Olson turned down Kentucky twice, you know, we Arizona tried to hire Kevin O'Neill and all those guys before they got Sean Miller. And so you don't always get your first guy, and so I don't think that that should be an issue for Juwan at all. You know, so. I'm mean,
1: sorry. him, he he's so overwhelmed, and which is awesome. You had mentioned that as well. Seeing him cry at the podium, that was not manufactured at all. You could absolutely tell that this is an opportunity of a lifetime for him. And I I, I truly think that he's going to need to get pushed out before he ever leaves on his own accord. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, if if they'll have him. It's one of those situations where if they'll have him, he'll, he'll be there. But, well, you know, a perfect example, right? You, you look at, just to double down on my point, Penny didn't make the, the tournament this year. Memphis didn't make the tournament this year. He, he piled up 20-plus wins, I believe. But that was good enough. Plus, obviously, the recruiting. So Penny's securing himself within the first year. But he didn't make the tournament. If Juwan doesn't make the tournament, I'm not saying Michigan fans are going to turn on him immediately, right? He's bought up way too much goodwill for that. But that second season then becomes so much bigger for Juwan. And, and so that, that's where the standards and the expectations are a little different. Memphis fans, I don't think, were expecting Penny to get this team to the tournament. Michigan fans, they, they lose Brez Dacus, but they still have an okay team coming back. They should be contending for the titles and get it to the tournament. And I think that's what Juwan has to maintain.
0: Well, and as we're going to talk about here in a little bit, we still have a lot of transfers and whatnot out there that, and there are a a couple of recruits, but not very many at this point, but a couple of transfers and grad transfers, people like that out there that now Juwan Howard is available to say, Hey, what up though? As they say in the D. And so, and they say, Hey, let's go play for Juwan. You know? So we still, as Rothstein would have tweeted just days ago, the roster picture will not be clear until late May. And in this situation, maybe even early to mid-June, because I, I, would, I wouldn't surprise me all if someone like, oh, God, who's out there? 7th Is seventh, Isn't Seventh Woods transferring? And he hasn't picked a, a team yet, right? I just read an article here on Twitter that said that seven, that John Howard has already reached out to Seventh Woods. Now, Seventh Woods, he was a high school phenom, and he didn't do that great yeah. in North Carolina, but... That'd be a great transfer as a seventh guy off your bench to say, hey, okay, I can. It improve to future recruits and your alumni and your boosters and say, hey, I can come in and make an immediate an immediate impact on the talent that we, I can put on this roster.
1: You know, I'm just hoping that it doesn't necessarily go the way it's gone with Jim Harbaugh in the sense that you get a former player to maintain a level of success. Harbaugh came back and and, I mean, they were – good at all under Brady Hoke, but Harbaugh comes back and, and in the first couple seasons, has him in the playoff picture, right? Has yet to meet Ohio State though. Right. Yep. And now they're kinda they're kind of tepid on, on Harbaugh. They love him. He's he's turned the program around from where awful Brady Hoke was. But I just hope in four or five years Juwan Howard's not just sort of mired in mediocrity, but it's complete. It's two completely separate sports with two completely different expectations from the candidate
0: Well, I was going to bring that up too, and I'm glad you brought that up, is, is this is so much of a different situation in football yeah. than if they were to hire... Well, Tom Brady might be an exception, but a notable Michigan football guy to be their head coach because, A, it doesn't seem like football players necessarily translate as well to coaching as... Basketball players do, in my opinion, yeah. Yeah. and maybe just that's because in football you're so position by position oriented, and like even as a quarterback, you don't have any experience as like whatever safety, whatever or offensive line. That's neither here nor there, but the expectations at a place like Michigan for football or for basketball, as you said, are completely different, and that uh, their their standards are still higher than they used to be for basketball. But if Juwan Howard makes the tournament this year, everyone's gonna be like, Okay, great. That's a great place to build off of, you know? And even next year, if he hasn't gotten the recruiting thing down and they maybe got a couple good recruits and they maybe like, I don't know, win the eight nine game or something like that, I think Michigan fans will still be like, All right, we're making progress. Whereas like Harbaugh two years in, he loses to Michigan or Ohio State twice and they're like, All right, so what the fuck's Harbaugh doing? Like, are we gonna what what are we doing here? You know, so the expectations are completely different.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what? it's also a different type of, of team that you got to field. So Michigan fans are used to not having stud recruits. They're used to not having the, the number one recruiting class in the country. But they get guys like Bristakis, Mo Wagner, right, Trey Burke. They get guys like Jordan Poole. They get uh, Xavier, whatever, that, their point guard who had the awful three-quarters hook shot. I already forget his name. <laughs> uh, they get to final fours. They get to national title games. Right. Memphis is a team that needs stud players to be successful. Derek Rose. Right. Tyreek Evans. Now James Wiseman. These are uh, Will Barton. Right. These are top, top names. And so it's just different. So even if, if the product is all that's going to matter, even if Dewan doesn't recruit well, if he turns them into a second, third weekend type team, he will be just fine.
0: Yeah, the, Michigan's previous recruiting classes throughout the last couple of years with line were ranked 43rd and 31st, yeah. and twi- and they went to Final Four during that stretch. You know, so it's just two different st- two different styles of how to of how to do things. And uh, I still, like I said, I think it's a good hire. And as long as and like you said, as long as Juwan Howard can can take that NBA coaching experience and apply that to the talent, I think he's going to be able to pull out of Michigan. That maybe Beeline yeah. wasn't, and Michigan is one of those sneaky states that, like you said, but you can go pretty much Cleveland to Chicago, and you don't have to leave that that width of area to recruit all the players you would ever need to play college yeah. basketball. You know, I mean, yeah. you could probably just go into Detroit alone, snag one kid from Chicago and one kid from Ohio, and you'd have the fifteenth ranked recruiting class every single year, and you can do a lot if as a decent head coach with the 15th ranked recruiting class year in and year out.
1: Yeah, sure. So excited to see how Juwan Howard does at Michigan, as well as the other new hires. Like we had mentioned, Fred Hoiberg now at Nebraska, Jerry Stackhouse at Vanderbilt, Penny's second year at Memphis, a lot of theater coming up for the head coaches. But what I want to talk about now is someone who decided to leave college basketball or not pursue college basketball, RJ Hampton, Kansas was going after him. He decided to go to New Zealand, which I'm fine with completely cool with now reports have now come out that he withheld his decision from college coaches and old people, journalists, Twitter are real upset about it. I mean, they are pissing and moaning Doug Gottlieb, Seth Davis, just, just having a cow over the fact that RJ Hampton didn't wasn't fully transparent about his plans. I want to get your thoughts on it. I think you already know mine right now. I'll go ahead and explain. But thoughts on not just RJ Hampton leaving for New Zealand because we've seen it before, but the fact that he withheld this information from coaches for a month.
0: Well, no one has been spurned by players going elsewhere for uh, instead of school than than you and I and our fan base with Brandon Jennings being the most notable uh, and Doobie, and Doobie Ebe from back in the day, uh, the guy from Nigeria who was like the third ranked recruit in the class. And uh, uh, Terrence Ferguson, who somehow became a stud, uh, I mean, he was a good, he was a high well, right, but he was, he's, he's been a much better NBA player than I anticipated. But, um, you know, let me put it this way. When I decided that uh, to go to the University of Arizona, I was not very highly re- recruited and I didn't exactly tell any of the other colleges that I wasn't going to go there on June 1st is like when I got my acceptance letter, which is probably like the actual last day they send out acceptance letters for colleges. And so obviously not a big time basketball recruit, but I don't, as as an 18 year old, he is 18, right? I mean, whatever. Some of these guys are only 17 regardless. I don't think it's your requirement to update everybody at all times. You know, it's kind of funny because let's take your old person example that you just said. There's one thing I hear from the older generation of this world, and that is why we always got to be updating everybody on what we're doing all the time, right? Why yeah. is it, why, why do we got to be taking pictures of our food and where we're at and hot dogs or legs or whatever? And then, so, Oh, so now this guy decides not to tell everybody what's doing. And now those same people are like, well, why aren't you updating us on what's going on? Why don't you let us know as if like beeline love the guy, Did Beeline call all the recruits up a month in advance and be like, yo, so I'm going to take a job that I haven't even been offered yet. But if I'm offered it, I'm going to go. So just to let you know, that's what's going to happen. So, no, does it suck? Yeah, I, I, I understand. Let's put it this way. The coaches can be upset and frustrated that that's how it played out but they can't be frustrated pointedly at the person, Mm -hmm. right? You know, let's put it that way. Like sometimes bad things happen, right? Sometimes two people back into each other in a parking lot because neither of them looked. You can be mad at the situation, but you can't be mad at the other person you backed into because they did the exact same shit that you did. So that's not a perfect analogy, but sometimes there isn't blame to place. Sometimes stuff just sucks. And I think that's probably the overwhelming my overwhelming thought is you're allowed to be upset and frustrated with how things play out but you can't call as Doug Gottlieb did today like you can't call a 18 year old kid a douchebag for not going to college yeah and, he did call that, didn't he? yeah right yeah crazy yeah right like i used to love Doug Gottlieb and he's become like an off brand Colin Cowherd to me at this point
1: so I see. I still like Gottlieb. I, I, I like some of his points, but some of his other points are just like, what are you talking yeah. about? You too didn't... many hot
0: takes. He, he used to do analysis well, and now he has like way too many hot takes, I think, is, is, the, is the problem. So now I will say this I don't, every, every single year we have a kid that does this now, seemingly, right? And I think people get way too um, fired up about the kids who do this as if it's going to become a regular thing. When Brandon Jennings did it and it, I mean, I could be wrong, but Brandon Jennings was kind of like the first notable person to do it. And the reason he did it is because he couldn't even write his name on the SAT score or SAT. And that's same thing with like Derek Rose, but they cheated to get him in Memphis. But um, it's not, it's still not, in my opinion, it's still not going to become a big thing. This is continually going to be like a one or two kid per year situation And I don't have the stats in front of me to say that it helps you get to the league or it doesn't because I I, I would imagine the stats say that if you go and play in Europe as a high-level recruit that you're going to get to the NBA. But there is just such a small sample size that I don't even know if it's relevant comparing and contrasting between, like, the other number five recruits in the country that went to college and then where they got drafted. Because we're literally looking at a maximum of, what, maybe 12 or notable players that have ever done this. So I think that sample size is is kind of small, and I don't know. And I'm sure you're with me. I don't know anything about New Zealand's basketball league. I don't know really anything about a lot of the European leagues that these guys. Outside of like the ACB, I, I don't know anything about like the smaller European leagues. So you know, if if someone's gonna pick, and I don't know anything about R.J. Hampton's background really either, other than I I know his game on the court a little bit from doing research on him and i like to follow recruiting but i don't know if he's poor i don't know if he's got 16 brothers and sisters i don't know if his grandma's in the hospital like there are so many other factors other than basketball that if you can go out and make a a million plus dollars and get a shoe deal and stuff and set your family up and really not risk losing your nba especially now in 2019 where you can watch any game at any time from anywhere. So it's not like he's holding himself back from being scouted for, in, for colleges. You know, so I, if you can go get paid, go get paid. Yeah. You, know, you know, I mean, the only thing I would ever say is that, and, just, and this might just be my complete lack of knowledge about, like, New Zealand basketball, pro basketball. So let's say RJ Hanton gets hurt. Like, what happens from there? do they have uh, do the team do the teams cover the same medical stuff are they going to sign him for a million dollars again the next year is uh, you know or is he just stuck playing there for another team until someone else signs him because he can't come back to college can he come back to the g league after that i think he can
1: maybe but i mean i I feel like there's not much difference between that and what michael porter jr did at mizzou right he was out pretty much the entire year he just come back i guess and chill wait for the nba draft and wait for those workouts
0: Right, and I guess the only thing is is, is the, the risk that you take is the interpretation of all the NBA teams on if you would have um, had the same because they know all the colleges intimately, right? They know if that because Michael Porter Jr. got hurt at a SEC D one high level D one school, they knew he was getting the maximum amount of like rehabilitation possible. And I'm, yeah. I, I would be 99% sure that he would get that same rehabilitation in New Zealand, but I'm not sure NBA teams Are think, think yeah. that same exact way. So that would be the only risk in my mind um, that you take. And I don't yeah. know if, I don't know if you jive with that or not, but that, that would be my thought.
1: Well, there's pluses and minuses to both. And like you said, there's a lot of different scenarios. I don't give a shit what a kid decides to do unless it's Arizona. If he decommits, then I'm pissed at the guy. But outside of that, The reactions to him not telling people or coaches is mind blowing to me. Why would you ever, I mean, who knows if it, if it were to put it at risk or not, but if you blow the whistle on yourself saying, Hey, I'm out of here and I don't know, something falls through in New Zealand, right. Then you're left with no options. So, and, and yeah, they'd probably come back and recruit him. but I don't understand this, this theory that you need to bend over backwards to appease everyone else. Dude, this is his future. This is his decision. You got enough intel? Fucking find out if he's going to New Zealand or not on your own accord. It is absolutely not up to him to, I don't know, the the right thing to do. Fuck that noise, okay? Go do your own thing, RJ Hampton. I'm, I, and, and the reaction is just crazy to me. I think Gottlieb and all those guys are more upset than the actual coaches are. Right? Yeah. Right. So, this happens to coaches all the time. There's no difference between let's say if I'm deciding between Carolina and Kansas. There's no difference between me calling up Roy Williams at the last second and being like, hey Roy, I ended up going with Bill Self. Right. I may have known that for two months. What is the difference?
0: Yeah. So- how how we, we knew let's just take Arizona for example. We've known Nico Mannion was coming to Arizona since he was like in eighth grade, right? it didn't stop him from going on recruiting trips and all yeah. of this other. Yeah. I mean, just, you got to really, do what's best for you. You have to do what's
1: best for you. Exactly. In, in such a high stakes decision, I just don't understand why Gottlieb and all these guys are like, you should feel compelled to keep everyone else in the know when it's not required in no way, shape or form. Am I doing more than what's required of me? If it might impact my future, And it very well could have. So the reaction to this is complete garbage. We'll see how RJ Hampton does, and we'll see him in the draft next year. Let's round out the show here. A couple more segments, Taylor. We had transfer windows. We had people staying in college. We had people leaving. Why don't we go down a list of both of those categories, and we'll decide whether or not that's a good choice or a bad choice, and then we'll get to some hugs.
0: All right. So I went ahead and picked pretty much five players that decided to stay. Uh, instead of going into the draft, five players that went to the draft uh, instead of staying in college, and then five notable players who are transferring. And so let's see kind of what your thoughts are on these players. So let's start with people who are staying in college. Number one being Duke player, Javin Delorier. Absolutely. Good. Right. Staying in college, dude. You fucking stink. Yeah, to be right. Agreed. 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 Yeah. Uh, Devin Dawson.
1: Yeah, I think that's fine, too. I got no your,
0: your boy, our boy, Peyton Pritchard from Oregon. I,
1: I mean, Peyton Pritchard. He's not. He, he wasn't going to do anything in the NBA. But at the end of the day, it's like, how much eligibility do you have left? He is. He is clearly on next year. He's probably the team captain of next year's Howard. Uh, uh, what's Snap call it? It's the uh, Heisman House. The yeah, House. Me. Yeah, he's gonna yeah. be. The head chef. He's going to be the headmaster, whatever you want to call it, of the Heisman House next year. Because I'm pretty sure he was playing alongside like fucking Joe Young, all right, and like Dan Dickow. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Dan,
0: Dan Dickout. <laughs> Did so he go to Oregon? He to no, he went to Gonzaga. Shit, and he who was, was like he was like the original original white dude at Gonzaga.
1: There was an Oregon guy who who a white point guard for Oregon.
0: Uh... uh... Yeah, that was re- that was really good. It was the NBA for like ever. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. We're so bad at this. Um this is really the off season Um jeez. Uh, okay, so uh kind of an interesting one because it has to do with the uh NCA FBI investigation. Uh but Javante Smart decided to stay in college instead of going to the NBA from LSU. Yeah. Uh I actually, what was he projected? Do you know? In I do movie? not. I, I don't know. But, but why I bring it up is because of, like, the investigation. And, I obviously, we, we, there's a thousand Luke different opinions. Ritter. It was yeah, Luke Green I, I I was about to bring it up. But, yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, uh, would you just bail out on school to potentially go to pro, um, you know, just to get yourself out of that situation? So he didn't. He stayed. So I guess good for him in the sense that he they feel safe about whatever's going to happen there at LSU. And then our last person notable that's staying in college was uh, another one of our boys is uh, Trey Tinkle at Oregon State.
1: Trey Tinkle, uh, I think I think he just wants to get one last go around with his pops, which I can't. He's he's going to go down as one of the best Oregon State basketball players
0: ever, right?
1: I mean, it's not boy that's
0: saying a lot. Yeah, I (laughs) know.
1: more like Gary Payton, Gary Payton's son, then Trace Tinkle. But Trace Tinkle, I'm cool with him coming back. I mean, he very well could be Pac-12 player of the year next year. He He's really, really fucking good. And I could see him maybe being a late second rounder, maybe undrafted. But I think some NBA teams will give him a look next year. I, I have no issues, and I think it's beneficial for Trace all things considered not strictly just a basketball decision right um,
0: he is he is very underrated and actually has been very underrated his entire college career so far and yep. well i'm almost exclusively because he plays at oregon state all right so now we have some uh, notable players who are going into the draft who maybe shouldn't have or we'll see what your thoughts are so the first one you know obviously we had javin delori staying for duke but we have Marquise Bolden, who's leaving, who, in my opinion, isn't even as good as Javon DeLorean is.
1: No, he's not. Come back, dude. What are you thinking? But, right. hey, I mean, it's, I, in my opinion, I think it's a dumb decision. But hug for Marcus Bolden, he probably thinks that they're going to bring in, you know, some players to bump him out of the rotation. I don't like the decision, though.
0: No, i say if you got in a place like Duke, you stay and you're not a for surefire lottery pick or, you know, at least a first-rounder by the time you get your junior or senior— you ride that out because you're never – your basketball career, unless you ball out in, in like the G League or Europe League and get another NBA shot, yeah. you're peaking at Duke. So ride it out and take all of the, all of the uh, perks that come along with being on a Duke basketball team or yeah, any of those schools. You
1: just end up being like a Brian Zuback. Who knows? You could be the starting center on a national championship team. Well, awesome.
0: and then you look and see actually how many of those four-year guys end up being great. You know, let's take a uh, uh, Patrick Patterson, for example. Uh, yeah. you know, he was four-year guy in Kentucky, and he's, he easily could have left because they came in and brought in all their recruits. But he didn't, he's actually had, a, actually had a pretty decent yeah. NBA career, all things considered. So um, your boy, not really your boy, but uh, our man Lugans Dort, right, uh, right down the street from your former home here in Tempe.
1: Great decision. Great decision yeah. from Lugans uh, Dort. Agreed. Uh, his, his uh, stock's not going to get higher, in my opinion. And he's really good. I actually think Lugansdor is going to be a steal for, for whoever takes him. I'm thinking, like, between 14 and 18. Maybe right. if go he, lower than 18, that's an absolute steal for anyone. Freakish athleticism, great defender. Uh, his offensive game isn't polished, but that's okay. I think Lugansdor needs to go. There's some college players where, you know, you might think you have the potential to be a lottery pick. He's not one of those guys, and I think he realized this is about as good as it's going to get. Let me strike while the iron's hot. Get as much money as I can. Good
0: decision. Lugan Stort um, strikes me as a perfect player that somehow is going to fall to like the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, where, where all they—it's like an athletic freak who plays defense, who just needs a little polish to his game, but doesn't necessarily have to be a stud right away, and just needs a really good system to fit in with some good coaching. Somehow, the Spurs always get that guy every single year. And if he falls that far to them, they're at 22. So I can't remember somewhere in that range that that'd be a great draft pick for them. Well,
1: The Spurs are slowly, but surely racking up a lot of like underrated pack 12 players. They got Derek white, Dejounte Murray, they got Jakob Purtle, and now potentially Lou Dort. So it's kind of weird how,
0: and they they had slow-mo Kyle Anderson kind of is in that same, uh, mold as well. But, um, yeah. So, uh, From the defending national champions, and I agree with him leaving because what else is he going to do in college, but I'm not sure about his actual NBA draft stock, and that is Kyle Guy.
1: Yeah, good for Kyle Guy. He'll be an NBA player. I don't think he'll be as good as his teammate Ty Jerome, to be honest with you, but you're right. What else is there left to do at UVA? You've pretty much experienced the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. There's no point in trying to go and repeat. So go ahead and test yourself in the NBA draft. And like I said, his stock is as high as it's going to get. He was the final four in MOP, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, I believe so. Yep. Yeah. He scored what, like 26 and 27 in those two games, something like that. Yeah. So, um, okay. and then this is another one of your boys, Sagapa Konate from uh, West Virginia. He's going to. Yeah,
1: man. Konate, uh, I don't think he had a choice. I mean, he basically got kicked off the team in the beginning of the season. And this was coming off of such a promising run, the prior right. season. The first episode that we did of this of this uh, program, I was pumped for Saga. Uh,
0: and that's why I bring this up because I remember you guys talked about him for a good minute there on the first, uh,
1: first episode. I was fired up for him, dude. And then, I mean, West Virginia's season just went to complete hell. They were ranked 13 or 14 right. heading into the season, and then they were just awful. And so Kanate uh, – suspended I don't think he could show face back in West Virginia I guess he could transfer maybe but yeah this is probably I mean he backed himself into a corner I don't think he's NBA ready but he kind of fucked up during the season and he gave himself only one option so I guess it's the lesser you know two evils
0: and then before we get to transfers I'm going to give you three names of players who could have gone out and probably gotten drafted but didn't and I want you to give me who was going to be the have the higher impact for their team next year Three really yeah three really three really good guards on teams that should be pretty decent next year or really good next year. Um and who's gonna have the better impact? Marcus Howard, Trey Jones, or Cassius Winston? That's really that's a really good question, man. That's why you had me fill in on the show.
1: That's a really good question. So for me, I think it's gonna be between Cassius and Trey Jones, because they were two of the best point guards all last year and damn, that's a good question. I'll say, I'll say Trey Jones because I don't know if Cassius Winston is going to exceed his level of play next year that he did this year. I mean, this year he was amazing. He was incredible, especially in the tournament. I think there's a lot more ceiling to reach for uh, Trey Jones. He's already there defensively. He's their rock defender and He's, he, I could see him getting to the point where he's kind of like a Marcus Page for Carolina yeah, or a sure. uh, Kendall Marshall for Carolina. remember Kendall Marshall? I forget what year it was, maybe 2011, 2010 or something. But Carolina was rolling with him and then he broke his wrist and they were mm-hmm. not the game at all. I feel like Trey Jones is going to be that next
0: year. Didn't Kendall Marshall average like 10 assists a game that year or something oh, absurd no. for some absurd college number? So, yeah, um, I, I would agree with you for Trey Jones. Um, because Trey Jones, I think, is going to have the most new recruits coming into this team, and he's going to be the guy, kind of the veteran leader that's been there that's going to have to guide these guys. I'd say Marcus Howard's going to be up there for reasons we'll get to in the hugs here as well. So let me give you a couple transfer names, um, and then we can get into the hugs. Uh, Brad Calipari transferring from Kentucky uh, to get out from under the shadow of his dad. Or, and I'm going to dive into this just because before... You know, uh, why I brought it up is I can completely see that, OK, he got his time in with Kentucky. He's yeah. got the big school thing and maybe maybe just wants to play for a year or two at right. this point, you know, and so he's got the big he's always going to be a Kentucky guy. He's yeah. always going to be associated with Kentucky and he's always going to have the perks of being a Kentucky guy. So he doesn't have to worry about what am I going to do next after this, because he he's going to be a grad assistant on Kentucky the second that he's done with playing. So I can a hundred percent see why Brad Calipari would transfer from.
1: Kentucky. I'm just curious what that conversation sounds like. It's like, Hey dad, uh, I want to play and it's not going to be possible with all of these five star recruits that you keep getting in. Also real quick. How about that nugget that DeMarcus cousins is the first Calipari player to ever play in an NBA finals or maybe a can Kentucky. Kentucky. Kentucky? You know, okay. That's you know, still wild. But at the same time, if you think about it, it's like, all these studs that Calipari gets, they get picked in the first 10 picks, and those right. teams don't suck.
0: Well, Subi, if I may, uh, if any of our listeners would like to describe, subscribe to the Warm Up Daily newsletter at warmupdaily.com, uh, which I am a contributor sure. to, uh, that was the uh, daily trivia question today. What a nugget that is. So, oh, small plug, small plug. Wait,
1: Brad uh-huh. Calipari, go do your thing. Man. I, don't, I don't care about it. I, I'll, I I want him, though, to be – on some televised games so I can actually see how he plays. I wonder if he's good or yeah.
0: No, I completely agree because we only see him in garbage time. So, I mean, he's got to be decent, right? Uh, he, mm. I, I, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, I, don't I mean, know. the only thing I would think that why he would be a uh, someone you'd want as a as a transfer on your team is this guy's been practicing against lottery picks for yeah. since he was in middle school.
1: It's not a bad point.
0: You know, so even if he's not a big time player for your program, he can come in and he can at least have some uh, experience on playing with all of these guys. And then obviously having a dad is one of the best coaches in college basketball can't hurt um, when they transfer into your program. So as long as he understands that he's transferring into the program to be a regular player, (laughs) like not like a Kentucky player. Right. Yeah. So. Cause you know the first time that anything goes wrong on that team is going to be like, well, yeah. yeah, like the only reason you're here is because your dad is John Calipari, right? So, um, another big time transfer is Quentin Grimes uh, from Kansas.
1: Underwhelming year for Quentin Grimes. Huh? He was so good out of high school, and I'm not saying he can't get it back. And this next guy that you're about to bring up is certainly falls under that category. But man, the weird year for Kansas this past year—really yeah. weird. It was beautiful. <laughs>
0: um, I, I believe you're referencing our next guy, Derek Thornton, who's transferring to his like fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh college basketball team.
1: I wasn't referencing Derek Thornton, but we'll oh, get to excuse the point
0: me. I was referencing. Um, but yeah, Derek Thornton,
1: third team. He was, started at Duke, went to USC. Now who knows where he's going to go. Derek Thornton is one of those guys that's probably going to land out like a really good school again in terms of their about right. football prowess and He's going to be, like, 24 years old or whatever
0: it is. Yeah, seriously. I mean,
1: um, I, don't, I don't find Derek Thornton doing anything impactful next year, though.
0: Right. So, the guy you were referencing, then was uh, our former boy, uh, Javon Quinterly, who yep. both we, when he was coming to Arizona, but as well as Villanova fans, when he uh, decided to commit there, were, were very excited about. He had, coming out of high school, he had uh, a whole – family of like, uh, a whole movement, jelly fam there. of like, uh, Instagram and Twitter. And I mean, he was a big time deal coming out of high school and last year, just, he didn't even play for like months yep. at a time. And so I was very surprised. So would you like, let's say not to talk about Arizona too much. Cause I hate to do that. But like, if you were someone like us, would you take him back? Would you want him on your team?
1: Hell yeah, man. I I think he just lost confidence last year. And maybe he played himself out of the rotation. Maybe he wasn't – sometimes it's just not a good fit, right? I mean you think that it's going to be a good fit. You look at a team, oh, they're the national champions. I want to go help contribute to that. Then you get on campus. Look, coaches are probably vastly different in the gym than they are on the couch, right? Right. Jay Wright probably sold him something, and I don't think Jay Wright was lying or, or, or giving a false impression of how it was going to be. Maybe Quinterly just had uh, you know different expectations and it wasn't a good fit. I still think that the talent is 100% there, and I'm actually really excited to see what he does next year. I think he's going to bounce
0: back in a big way. I agree. I I don't think that for someone like him, he doesn't need to transfer to a, a Kentucky, a Kansas, a place no. like that. I think if he can go to a... Uh, a next level type of school. He could be a complete stud there and get him back into like an NBA type of talk for, uh, he's going to have to probably stay wherever he goes for like maybe the rest of his college career now, but yeah, yeah. But, yeah I think he'll be fine. And then uh, our last guy is, he was the tournament stud, one of the tournament studs. And that was max hazard from UC Irvine.
1: Yeah. I like it. I'm glad that he's coming to Arizona. He's I am so- tradition. We got Jake, his older brother, uh, but Max is actually going to get a lot more playing time than Jake. Yeah, no,
0: he's a stud. He's a stud. So, yeah. And why don't we lead into transfers into your hugs there, Mr. Subramani?
1: Yeah, let's give out some hugs. First hug in about a month and a half or so. I'm feeling a little lonely. I need some human interaction. Let's give some hugs. So my hug, first official hug of the offseason goes to Marquette. When the season ended or when their season ended, all signs pointed to them being a top 10, top five team. Marcus Howard and the Hauser Bros returning. Right, a lot of people were saying Final Four, first Final Four since Dwayne Wade and Tom cream, that Marquette team, and then a fucking bomb just goes off in Milwaukee. Right, the Hauser Bros decide to transfer. One of them's going to Virginia, the other one's going to Michigan State, which is mind blowing to me. I thought they were going to stay the exact same place. I thought they were like the white version of the Morris Twins. <laughs> you know, they, they went to they went their separate ways, but. Huge loss for uh, Woj and Marquette. Marcus Howard, man, a lot more heavy lifting for him. And he did a ton of heavy lifting last year, as it were. So Marquette, hug for you. A lot can change in an off season, And from the final whistle of the national title game up into where we are right now, if you're a true Marquette diehard, you may just want to focus your attention on the Bucks at this point.
0: Oh, yeah, that's rough. I mean, they'll have Marcus Howard still, but... He's going to have to score if he scored like 30 a game last year, he's going to have to score like 40 a game this year after to keep them like nationally relevant. I
1: think I'm so, by a mid major last yeah, year. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. Exactly. So, well, I hate to take us to kind of a sad downturn, but I have kind of a very somber, um, hug for, uh, the Auburn for Auburn athletics and our boy, your boy, uh, Mike burgomaster Bergamaster there. Um, couple weeks ago rod rod Bramblett and his wife uh who is the voice of the auburn tigers both football and basketball teams uh they and worked very closely with both of them uh they passed away in a car accident and so very sad for that entire program um he's been there for like 30 40 years a long time um you know he had some major calls, most notably, in my mind, one I remember, and I'm sure you do too, even though it wasn't basketball-related, was the Iron Bowl, the Alabama-Auburn Iron Bowl, maybe the greatest college football game of all time. So definitely a very somber and very sad hug for Auburn Athletics here uh, on our first off-season show of the year.
1: Absolutely. Hug for Virgo. I know he was tweeting quite a bit about Mr. Bramblett, and I'm sure he was very close to him. And a hug for all of Auburn Tiger Nation there. But you're right. He had... Probably the best call in college football for in my lifetime, maybe. I mean, there's a ton of really good calls, but that one is so good. The reason because like it was just the reason why I love it so much is because during that time, that song, I forget who was singing it. But it was like (laughs) lady. So I tried to pair that with like Chris Davis wanting it back and he's at the 20, and then you just do (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the band, it's, oh, we're you got the beat going and then Brandon, oh, the game. <laughs> I, it,
0: it's it's great too because i'm reading the transcript of the call right now and both him and his uh uh color guy stan white say oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh holy cow oh my god like between every single sentence for like up to two minutes. And I remember that obviously, but it's funny to read it back where it's Like, Oh my gosh, Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football. Yeah, man. So yeah, a great. You know, those type of people, um, you know, it, you, you liken it. I liken it. And not that I had a lot of history with someone like Rob Ramblett, but you don't understand the impact that those people have on fans, the day-to-day life. Yep. Like, you know, I'm going to use Stuart Scott as an example, like my childhood was formed by listening to Stuart Scott, like every single day, you know, and you don't yeah. realize that type of stuff until those people are gone. So very sad uh, for Auburn there. That's for sure.
1: Absolutely. Well, Taylor, good to be back on the saddle here. We're going to try and produce two shows each month. I mean, there's not a ton going on in college basketball, but hopefully Team will continue to feed us updates. We'll keep an eye on Ticker And uh, thanks for, thanks for letting us back into your ear earlobe. All right, we're back, baby. Good to knock off the dust.